All rise in the courtroom and to those listening on stream for the dishonorable badger is entering the scene. Apparently doing this as a day job simply was not enough. So let your jaws drop to the floor cause we can't make this stuff up. Welcome back to the legal fun house. We put the fun in dysfunctional. It's crazy in the legal fun house but weirdly educational. But every single one is remarkably true. to law school and is more than qualified to talk about the strangest cases from the strangest people alive and the friend that he brought along barely past eighth grade whose legal experience lies within parking in the fire lane welcome back to the legal fun house we're just as confused as you it's finally time for the legal fun house and without further ado Every single one is remarkably true. It's Boozy's Legal Funhouse. It's Boozy's Legal Funhouse. It's Boozy's Legal Funhouse. It's Boozy's Legal Funhouse. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 24 of Boozy's Legal Funhouse. It is the season one finale tonight. That's right, the last episode of season one. There's not going to be a hiatus. I did that way too long the first time, so season two just starts in fucking January. But tonight, it's a special case because when you're listening to this on your favorite podcast service, it will be the night before Christmas. It will be Christmas Eve. That's right. This is going to be an early release so that we can make sure we get a holiday special in for all of you out there. I am your host, the Boozy Badger, Boozy Barrister, joined tonight by my co-host and certified legal layman, Alkali. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and before we get going, I mean, it's a good case tonight. It really is. It is a wonderful case. But before we get going, I do need to read off the names of the Patreon supporters at the $5 level and above of Boozy's Legal Fund House over at Patreon.com slash lawyers and liquor. So a special thank you to Dragor, Petrov Neutrino, Tezcat Magic Jag, Wayland DeRoche, Beaten Dozer of the Trash Panda, Mama T, Uncle Kage, Evelyn Klein, Lisa Lupe, Lupus the Raccoon, Nether Lynx, Pandemonium, Buddy Goodboy, CC Otter, Chroma Hydra, David Hunter, Eddie the Weatherfox, Flat Facts, Ghost Goat, Grace Jane Gollinger, Hayden Foxen, Jason Knight, Jerry A, John Michael Carden, Julie Esslinger, Just James Lack, Mark Whipple, Michael Blocker, Nikolai Red Fox, Romeo Rabbit, Scuba Fox, The Dragon Show, Tiny Voices, William Kennard, and Ziggy. If you want to be one of those wonderful people, you can become a supporter of the show over at patreon.com slash lawyers and liquor. Alkali, are you around? I am here, buddy. Wonderful. You disappear. For those who are listening later, we record these live. All right, every single episode of Boozy's Legal Funhouse, it was recorded live over at twitch.tv slash boozybadger. And the, the fact of the matter is, when we record live, I'm too damn lazy to edit. So I'm, it won't be edited. You will, you will hear me fuck up. You will hear Alkali fuck up. The 
largest piece of editing I have done is recording the last episode, episode 23, Georgia Pines and Specific Performance. My internet went out in the middle of it. We had to restart, and I had to figure out how to splice two sections of audio together. That was a fucking nightmare, and I never want to do it again. Really? Was that a nightmare, Boozy? Because, oh my God, sorry, I'm having my own, I fixed it. Uh, maybe you will remember you making fun of me nonstop for doing a clack to every camera so I could sync up that audio for Basement Cot. Now you know why. <laughs> it is so funny to hear you say, I'm not editing this because me and Zan, like right before, I was like, hey, D&D, we need to edit it more. <laughs> of editing it's the only way what alkalize the way i play dnd legal layman of dnd it really helps with the wish spell what what alkali is talking about is alkali and their wonderful partners annie have their own shit that they do and as a form of payment in lieu of you know actual fucking money because i'm cheap i tell them promote your shit on the podcast as well so alkali what is your shit you can find us over on twitch.tv backslash Alkali and Zanny. That's A-L-K-A-L-I-A-N-D-X-A-N-N-I. Uh, you can see us performing there four days a week, Sundays, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Join us for some very absurdist humor, a lot of talking, and on Thursdays, we pet play pool while yelling at each other. It's great. I I am just I want to just let everybody know how proud and impressed I am with Alkali spelling something without a fucking typo. Incorrect. It's at the top of my screen. <laughs> I never spell anything without a guide. <laughs> this is this is a man who every time he sends me a text message has at least five typos. Like I don't even correct him anymore. I just read around it. Like, you know, you know, wash your asshole. And I'm like, do you mean feed the cat? Yes. Yes, I do. That's how good of friends we are. I don't use voice to text to you. The, the, the fucked up thing is when you do use voice to text, there's still typos. You're the that's only phone takes my spelling because it thinks that's the word I'm using. You are the only person I know who can verbally typo. I've been performing for years. My career is verbally typoing nonstop. So before we get there in, we go. Before we get into tonight's case, I do have to do our standard legal disclaimer. I am a lawyer. I am not your lawyer. Boozy's legal funhouse. What the? Uh, uh, if you you if you're listening to it later, a lot of animation just popped up on Alkali's screen, and I don't know whether it's intentional or not. No, I'm just leaving that up there for the people watching oh, right now. Okay. That's not for the that's not for the audio. I, I don't well, need to read out all my Patreon supporters it, on your show. It, I can just show the picture for people watching live. It's for the audio now, motherfucker. <laughs> Do you want me to take no. two minutes? All right, here we go. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> exactly. I love you too. <laughs> Boozy's Legal Funhouse is an informational, educational, and hopefully entertaining podcast about basic legal concepts. I am a lawyer. I am not your lawyer. The way that I would become your lawyer is you would come to my office, tell me your legal issue. I would say, I think I can help with that. I'd draw up an engagement letter. You would sign it and pay me a retainer of my choosing. You don't just get to PayPal me a buck. Unless all of those things have occurred, nothing that you 
hear tonight should be construed as legal advice. Alkali, once again, your audio is giving me feedback. I know why. I know exactly why. Sorry. <laughs> Every fucking uh, time. Nope, because I've got you on dust. I fuck. Every, All right, that's fixed. Every fucking week. Every fucking Every week. week. <laughs> Every, like, I'm sorry, did you not hear the point where I said I'm a professional? That I'm, means I professionally screw up once a stream. You are, you understand. You understand. This is staying in the final version of the show, right? Yeah. Painfully aware <laughs> that all my mistakes will be not only pointed out, but here forever. <laughs> uh, the way that I would become your lawyer, we just went over. I'm not repeating it. Nothing that you're going to hear tonight is legal advice. Please do not take it as such. If you need legal advice, you need it from a licensed attorney in your area. Please remember, no attorney-client privilege attaches. Nothing you say in our chat on our streamer that you send to me is confidential. Please, for the love of God, do not go out there and say, I think I can do this because a giant badger on the internet said so. That said... Alkali, I've got to tell you, tonight's case is wonderful. We are in the holiday spirit. This is releasing the night before Christmas. That's right, the night before Christmas. You are all sitting around your fire with your friends and your loved ones waiting for that jolly old elf to shimmy shake down the chimney with the gifts that they have in store. So... In that holiday spirit, I'm going to tell you about the time Santa Claus sued Santa Claus in the town of Santa Claus. Everything about this is fun. But before we do that, and I'm, I'm going to give us extra time tonight to get through oh, this. That's, uh, but before we do that, it is time, as always, for our legal news review. Our stories, once again come from the ABA Journal, the American Bar Association Journal, the first one on December 8th, 2022. Illinois lawyer Joel A. Brodsky, who has been suspended, had a gag order from the Illinois Appeals Court upheld. What do you think the gag order was about, Alkali? Uh, hardcore bondage if it's a gag order. Okay. Also, that's like a, that's a super dominating. Like, if you're the dom and somebody else comes in, like, well, I got to gag you. You're doming that. That's awesome. I love law. All right, so this is where I explain what the fuck a gag order is, isn't it? This is this is where I take something that everyone else in the world, when they hear that, would instantly know what I'm referring to and explain to you it is not whatever fucked up kink thing immediately flies into your head. I'd just like you to remember that you just said the entire world, but I know there's a populace that goes to Steamworks who would be confused at this very moment. So I'm going with them. I also, I also want to ask, just for the future, unless you're going to get the bathhouse in Chicago you frequent to sponsor the fucking show, don't give them advertising on the fucking show. You're right. From now on, we'll ta- we'll call it. Bathtubs. Slippery, slippery bathtubs. There. If nailed it. If you're one of my professional listeners, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you don't need to apologize. I'm the sociopath. No, a gag order, is it's very simply, it's when a court says, hey, you can't talk about that. It's the, it's the Twitter ban of law. Hold on now. Is this the professional one? Like when I left my job, are there certain things I'm not allowed to talk about? Is that the same oh, oh thing? Oh, no. This is, this is a court. 
saying, okay. hey, you can't say anything about that. You have to get, like, you see it a lot when you have, like, highly contested or, or cases that have a lot of interest in them. The court will say, we're imposing a gag order. And what that means is the people who are involved and the lawyers and witnesses, and you can't talk about it. And if you talk okay. about it, you're going to be held in contempt of court. Because we don't need this information getting out there. It could it could damage the case. It could uh, affect the way the case is going to be handled. Now, Joel A. Brodsky was an Illinois criminal defense attorney. Right? <clears throat> Brodsky's former client sought a gag order against him. Brodsky appealed that gag order, saying, I should be allowed to talk about this. And the Illinois Appeals Court said, absolutely not. What do you think this is? What do you think it was that Mr. Brodsky felt he needed to be able to shout from the rooftops? Oh, man. What state was this? Illinois. This is Illinois? This is, uh, this is your home turf. This is my home territory. Home turf. I know what we're into here. All right. Cow tipping with a megaphone. I'm assuming that he was cow tipping with a megaphone, and they told him that's not the right thing. Let's let's get closer to your home turf. It's Chicago area. Oh dear God! All right, so now I'm thinking a gag order about talking about our politicians. Well, <laughs> all right, uh, gag order in Chicago that you're not allowed to talk about uh, the insanely unsafe construction policies we have on streetwide scaffolding. That would that would all probably make a lot of sense out there, except you missed what I said when I said Brodsky was a criminal defense attorney. Oh shit! All right, then it's got to be just him talking about his clients, right? Yeah, right. What what do you think about the client? It's a specific client. Specific client in Chicago that, all right, all right, they can't talk about Lori Lightfoot's giant dick. Is that what this is? <laughs> it's better. It's better. How could it be better? Brodsky. Oh, God. Brodsky, in 2012, represented a Chicago-area police officer by the name of Drew Peterson. And Drew Peterson... Oh was lucky in life but unlucky in love. Well, he wasn't he wasn't actually lucky in life either because uh he ended up having to file an ineffective assistance of counsel claim in his appeal from his criminal conviction for the murder of his third wife. Okay, what could there possibly be that you're going to get a gag order that's not already illegal? Like, there's attorney-client privileges, so you can't just talk about the client. What else is there? Well, uh, what Brodsky had thought he, he should be allowed to say about Mr. Peterson, formerly Officer Peterson of a Chicago-area police department, who had been convicted for killing his third wife, was... He was the, convicted. Yeah, he was convicted of killing his third wife. Okay was the location of Peterson's missing fourth wife. Hold on. A court of law said you're not allowed to talk about the other murder the, the, that we haven't talked about we, yet. We don't, we don't know it's a murder. We don't know it's a murder, do we? No, she's just missing. She's missing. Brodsky knows where the fuck she is. <laughs> Peterson probably knows where she is because apparently he told Brodsky. What happened here is uh, Peterson was convicted of killing his third wife. 
they don't know where the fourth wife is. Don't know whether she's alive. Don't know whether she's dead. She's been missing. And she's been missing since at least 2012 when Peterson was convicted. Brodsky had represented Peterson in his criminal trial. Now, after Peterson was convicted, he filed a claim or an appeal saying, hey, Brodsky, shitty lawyer. Horrible fucking lawyer. My conviction should be I should get a new trial because my lawyer sucked, which is what an ineffective assistance of counsel claim is. And it's a really common claim to make. Alright? Okay. So Brodsky, after after the ineffective assistance of counsel claim was, suddenly in like 2022 grew a goddamn conscience after he was accused of being a shitty lawyer and said you know what it really weighs on me that no one knows what happened to your fourth wife holy shit so okay I definitely get the gag order and I understand why they would put that there but like don't they want to know that? What's the... Well, is it, it just it's, because... It's, not a, ma- it's right? not a matter of want to know. It's a, it's a few different things. Number one, uh, he's got... First of all, Peterson's got an appeal going, like right now. And Brodsky talking about, hey, what about this other fucking murder? <laughs> you know, oh, like, you know... But you, he's not his lawyer anymore, right? He, he, that that, that doesn't where- matter. That doesn't matter. You know, Kathleen, oh. Brodsky's third wife, is dead. So Brodsky's sitting there like, yo, know, what, whatever, happened, whatever happened to Tina? Whatever happened to Tina, Drew? Whatever, it'd be a shame if people found out about Tina, right? Like, you think she's on the beach? You think she's out in Florida on the beach sipping, oh. sipping fucking margaritas? As much as I want to fight the gag order, I kind of get like, hey... You can't tell the guy who told you this while you were his lawyer, who is now suing you for being a shitty lawyer, that you know where the other body is. Okay, I get why they're doing it. There's got to be a better way so that maybe we could, you know, solve another murder? The way attorney-client privilege works is without a client's permission, uh, an attorney is not allowed to divulge information they obtain from their client or... uh, in the course of representation of their client. You have to have your client's what permission. Somebody was, what if somebody was in danger, not not it happened? There is there is an exception for that. Okay. It, hey, thank you. I, I just wanted to know oh, that we weren't so far into the legal weeds. Like, we let people die. The paper says so. You're a... Nazi John Hancock signed this document. You're, Therefore, people must die. Well, I'm glad you think that lawyers will say, oh, if somebody's going to be killed, uh, you, you have to disclose it, because that's absolutely not what the ethical rule says. It's, Damn it! <laughs> it, it's, it says... Maybe it should! I'm just saying! It says it's not unethical to disclose it in that specific situation, but it does not require you to. And oh, it, it puts the onus on you? And it could still be considered... A court could still say... Okay, you didn't break an ethics rule, but you did commit malpractice in disclosing the information, so we're going to let them sue you. <laughs> That's a rock and a hard shit if I've ever heard one. Holy crap, your job is terrifying. So, Brodsky had actually been suspended 
uh, from the practice of law as a result of his uh, his sudden conscience growth in regards to the fourth wife. Uh, he his suspension has now expired. He has not asked to be reinstated into the practice of law. Which, um, yeah, I I I, I do that. But my favorite part of this story is. Um, at the hearing on the gag order, when Peterson and his new lawyers uh, filed a motion to have the gag order imposed, Brodsky attended. And Brodsky tried to stand up and start speaking during that hearing, to which the judge said, you are not a party to this hearing. Have a seat. God damn it. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Sir... Sir, you may or may not have murdered somebody, and the guy over here may or may not tell us. You have nothing to do with this conversation. Oh, it can <laughs> Holy get. Holy crap! It can get even better. Uh, yeah, like okay, if a client comes into my office and they tell me where the fucking body is, I can't tell people where the body is. Holy crap! Like I, that's there's a whole thing about this. You can't. If a client comes into my office and tells me where the body is and I drive out to verify the body is there and I see the body, I can't tell people where the body is. And I'm not ethically required to. Wow. If I, who is that protecting? The lawyer? The or client. The, like, the client. The, protecting the client. It, really quickly, I, I just want to wrap my head around... like. Okay, no, no, all right. Yeah, they need to be comfortable with their lawyer. Exactly. So it's, okay, okay, that's the, all right, That's all right. the exact reason that we have that, is we want to encourage people to disclose things to their attorneys. That, that actually makes a weird amount of sense. So from that, if I drive out and I see where the body is, and then I move the body one foot to the left... Yeah. Now I have to tell somebody where the body is. It's called the fruits and instrumentalities rule. If a lawyer comes into possession or control of the fruits or instrumentalities of a crime, they must disclose it without disclosing where they got the information. If a client walked into me and handed me a gun and said, put this in your safe, I just shot five people... I would have to hand that over to the police. Now, when I hand it over to the police, though, I can't tell the police where I got the gun. Oh. Holy. But he takes the body, takes the gun, takes all the evidence, buries it in lot number 17 at mile marker 43. There's nothing you can do. Right. Even if he tells me. I cannot disclose that. Amazing. Amazing. Cannot disclose that. <laughs> I, 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 I do get needing to trust your lawyer and you needing all the... And I'm assuming you knowing that information, you would post to the man that uh, maybe uh, plead guilty and we'll, we'll, we'll do this. I'm assuming that's they, the... Yeah, well, I mean, like, if I thought they could convict him on the crime that he's being charged with, yeah, probably. I'd say, you know, plead guilty, and we can use that as a bargaining chip to reduce your sentence. If you only sentence me to 25 to life with the possibility of parole, I'll tell you where I buried them. <laughs> Jesus. And you, you laugh, but look in the history of murder cases, serial killers, things like that. That's a common tactic. If you take the death penalty off the table, we'll tell you where the body is. 
Your poker chips are horrific. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dear God. <laughs> let's let's move on to something that's almost as infuriating. So law firms give bonuses. It, it is considered the bonus, the law firm bonus is considered a portion of the compensation package for a lot of firms. Like you calculate it in. And the way everybody calculates their bonuses are, are a little different. One law firm in New Jersey, the Grungo Colarulo law firm a personal injury law firm in new jersey you can just tell how wonderful they are grungo calarulo rolls off the fucking tongue uh has given their employees in addition to all their normal year-end bonuses uh added something special into the bonus package this year please don't tell me it was the locations of all the bodies that the (laughs) lawyers knew about no no uh nfts Oh, dear God. They are giving their staff and attorneys non-fungible tokens, but not just any non-fungible tokens. Not just any. What have they given them? These are non-fungible tokens that as long as you possess them, you get free mental health care. What? Yep. The firm partnered with Crypto Mori's and Impact Suite. And as long as they held the non-fungible token, employees will have unlimited access to mental health services, even if they still lose leave the firm, as long as Impact Suite and Crypto Mori's continue their partnership. You can also sell your your mental health nfts or transfer the underlying benefits to a family member oh geez solved the medicare crisis before the united states has i'm done i'm done i don't i i don't want to live on this planet anymore (laughs) how did nfts solve this that's We've had elections based off of solving the problem that you just solved with a monkey smoking a joint. What is going on? <laughs> right? And they're, they're not monkey smoking joints. They're cute little skeletons. They're skeletons wearing neat outfits. Um, oh, that's appropriate. Yeah, yeah, for the mental health care service. Like, here's a skeleton to remind you that you need therapy. Um <laughs> Hi, the skeletons in your closet, they need to make room for you. Bring your gay ass in here. <laughs> I love being in the closet for most of my young adulthood. I had so many shoes. <laughs> and, uh, uh, the... Uh, <laughs> La- last so time... Sorry. I cannot get over, I cannot get over that you guys figured out how to deal with mental health before the United States of goddamn America. Uh, I, I love the how fact. The hell I love the fact that you're including me. <laughs> and, and the, like I had anything to fucking do with a New Jersey personal law, injury law firm deciding to follow this this method of madness here. You have shown me the message boards that your lawyers used. You are one giant hive mind, all for one and all to, I don't know, be lawyers. I, except, I don't know how it works. Except for Brodsky. <laughs> oh, <laughs> screw that guy. Except for Brodsky. Screw that guy. <laughs> 
the the <laughs> la, the last legal update though is not really a uh, a legal update so much as it is uh telling you something from our last show at the end of our last show we talked about we wanted to know what happened to them you remember the the high is the georgia pines and and I'm so excited i'm yeah. so excited you have more information i, I somebody almost immediately like, this is why i love doing this shit uh I got off stream, and before the end of the night, I had an email over at uh, boozy at lawyersandliquor.com telling me what happened to the property and Lucy V. Zimmer. The purchaser, uh, Zimmer, he sold timber rights to the land. He sold timber and mineral rights to the land. He sold it as a lease. Uh, it was part of a huge parcel of lands that he did. And then when all of that was gone, he sold the land itself. Okay. Now, do we have a total? We do not, actually. Like, he sold it for $50,000. Hold on. Uh, the A timber deed was granted almost immediately afterwards because he had... He had remember he bought the land for fifty thousand. Almost immediately after the purchase of the land was upheld by the court in Virginia, uh, the new owner issued a timber deed at eighty five thousand uh, dollars. That was that was only and that was only the financed portion of the timber deed. It likely had an oh unfinanced portion, so he likely doubled his money. Uh, some of it was put, once the timber was all harvested by 1956, the property was split into two sections. The largest portion was sold to the Continental Timber Company with no sale price listed. Does not mean there wasn't a sale price, just means they didn't tell you the sale price. Uh, you can do that? Huh. The price at the time was $12,000 U.S. dollars per 100 acres for 360 acres though so you can estimate it was about $43,000 on that uh the remainder of the property sold for $15,000 in 1962 so for that $50,000 investment he probably made at least $150,000 over the next 12 years holy crap all right the time to cost ratio on that one really works out. Well done, you horrific asshole. Well done. It gets better. Today, How? today, in preparation for tonight's recording, uh, another attorney in that area had actually listened to uh, the last episode. And let. Oh, hi, all of our attorney listeners. I'm not smart. They, after listening, uh, related to me the story of how they drove out to the old Virginia Inn, the inn that the Lucys had owned, that they, and started to take pictures of it when the current owner came out, asked them what they were doing. When they said, oh, I'm taking pictures, it's in a famous lawsuit. The current owner basically said, I don't care what it was in. I've never heard of it. You need my permission to take pictures. Get the fuck off my land. So he has heard of it. Understood. (laughs) (laughs) That's my response, too, when somebody labeled my house as a nightclub on Google. Sorry, you can't stand outside trying to figure out what happened. Leave my pride flags alone and get out of here. (laughs) So, tonight's case, to follow up on Lucy V. Zimmer, is from Indiana. It it is from a a small town 
in the Indiana County of Ascends. Right. Uh, you have probably heard of it before. You're in Illinois. You've definitely have you ever seen the advertisements for the Holiday World theme park? Absolutely. This takes place in the town of Santa Claus, Indiana. Oh God! Now, how did the town of Santa Claus get its name? Well, it wasn't always Santa Claus, Indiana. It at one point was Santa Fe, Indiana. Then, in the like 1850s, they decided we're going to get a post office. At that point in time, you had to apply for a post office, and the post office uh, had rules. Like, you know, you can't have two towns with the same exact name in the same state. Little fucking confusing. A lot of mail will get misrouted, right? Absolutely. So when the town got together and they said, we want a post office, they sent out the application for the post office of Santa Fe, Indiana, and they got back a letter saying, there's already a Santa Fe, Indiana. Pick another name. That's not paraphrasing. That is allegedly verbatim what was on the response rejecting their application. Hey, dude, I get responses from the government and state governments all the time on small businesses and stuff. That is the nicest, most direct response I have ever heard coming from a state. I'm impressed. This was like the mid-19th century, so I assume like that's their version of go fuck yourself. It's from the mid. It's because yeah. that's how long it takes to send those words. Beep, 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 beep. Four hours later, no. So the town got together again, and they picked a brand new name, and that new name was Santa Claus, Indiana. Now, the name of Santa Claus, Indiana, went relatively unknown for a long period of time. Nobody noticed there's this small town in Indiana named Santa Claus until one holiday season. The postmaster began to advertise that people who bought stamps and post-it letters from their post office would have a postmark that read Santa Claus. Oh my, what a great... I need to know, did they th- is there any documentation that says they thought of that while naming? Or no. was this just a really the, intuitive post? This was oh. like 40 years later. We're like in that the 1910s, so 1920s. That's wonderful. What a great idea. The moment this starts, and the moment it gets out there, that there is a place in Indiana where you can get shit postmarked from Santa, it became a phenomenon. People started mailing letters to Santa, to the Santa Claus, Indiana post office, which to this day, every holiday season is still so overwhelmed with letters to Santa that they have gotten together and as a community decided that they have a group called the elves who respond to every letter that comes in. That's wonderful. Dude. Okay. Like, I'm not the biggest on holidays. That's precious. That is that is pure magic. It awesome. Is, it All is, right, I love this town. We're visiting. We're taking a road trip. It is also so overwhelming that the Postal Service made a rule that no other town in the country can be named Santa Claus. You can do that. That's amazing. 
Did they copyright the the city name Santa Claus? The, the, the post office was just like, this is creating issues. There's a huge backlog of mail to this tiny town in Indiana for like two months out of the year. We're not going to let anyone else name their town after Santa Claus. Way to get grandfather in, Santa. Well, well done. Now, of course, this holiday cheer did not go unnoticed. Over the years, several people began to try look at, oh, we want to do a business there. Oh, we want to do this there. It's a festive name, right? Yeah. You know, like, like corporations began mailing their postcards and shit through there. So their employees and their customers would get things postmarked from Santa Claus. This is so much bigger than just the general populace. You're talking about, oh, I didn't even think of that. Oh, yeah. It was huge. It got so big that in 1929, Robert Ripley from Ripley's Believe It or Not actually ran a strip about the number of letters they get every year addressed to Santa, which I'm sure helped. (laughs) I'm sure it did. I'm sure sure that just stopped it, right? Dude, uh, stopped it? Are you kidding me? I'm sure that made it so much worse. I'm just thinking about how many Christmas posts we send out in my old company. Like, dude, it was five figures some years because we send them to everyone. I can't imagine the backlog that. Oh, my God. Now, this did not go unnoticed by capitalists because this is America, motherfucker. Of course. And in the early 1930s, a salesman by the name of Milton Harris decided that he was going to open a theme park in Spencer County in Santa Claus called Santa Claus Town. In the city of Santa Claus, there was going to be the town of Santa Claus with overpriced cotton candy. Oh, this is going well. Oh, not well. cotton candy. It was, and it's funny you should say, Katie, because one of the attractions of this, it was going to be a year-round Christmas event boasting a candy castle and a toy village sponsored by leading manufacturers of the day. Uh, things that were marketed there would have the Santa seal of approval in the packaging of the toys and then mail orders from there. They actually worked with Marshall Fields. Mail orders through the Marshall Fields catalog for holiday mail orders would be shipped out of a warehouse in Santa Claus, in Santa Claus town, so it would have both that Santa Claus seal of approval and the Santa Claus postmark on it. Uh, nothing but respect for this horrible show of capitalism. Well done, assholes. But you know, the second one person gets in on it, everyone yep. else is going to get in on it, right? Oh, yeah. But Harris was ready for this. Uh, <laughs> okay. Harris went around leasing land in the name of his company, which was, I shit you not, Santa Claus of Santa Claus Incorporated. Oh my God. Oh, that sounds like a mistake. Oh, wait, no. I, I, make, I, I read that on a document. I'm like, oh, that's a typo. I, I, I think I actually mixed that up. I think his company was Santa Claus Inc., right? And he leased land. Okay. And one of the people he leased land from was okay. was a family known as the Rinkies. Uh, R-E-I-N-K-E. Uh, 32 acres 
for a 25-year lease. The lease provided that he that they, the Rinkies could continue to use the land, but he would have the sole and exclusive right to erect businesses and sell toys or manufacture items or store items, anything related to Santa Claus or the Christmas traditions in commerce, he would have the sole right to use the land for those purposes. And he did this all around Santa Claus, Indiana. The reason being, he wanted to undercut competitors, right? Okay. Like, how can they have their Santa Claus thing in Santa Claus if he has all the land and all the leases, right? So he's Disneying the shit out of this. Disney, Disneying the fuck. Like, Mickey Mouse in the 1930s wearing a beard. Like, Walt Disney... Would would die to be this man at that point, right? Money makes money, man. Money makes money. Wee. So on December right. on December twenty second, nineteen thirty five, in a radio broadcast ceremony, Harris opens Santa Claus Town, and it is a rousing success. And through good business tactics, nobody ever challenges him, right? Okay. Except a few days later, he looks up the street at an adjacent hill, and somebody has built a twenty-foot, fi- uh, twenty-five-foot-tall statue of Santa Claus. This is getting wonderful. This is. Please tell me it was just flipping off his park. It was. Oh, it oh, absolutely horrible. was. The the owner of that adjacent hill was a man named Carl Barrett, a Chicago businessman. Yes. Who had formed a company called Santa Claus of Santa Claus, Inc. See, living in Chicago doesn't make you an asshole. You just have to be an asshole to live in Chicago. (laughs) It's wonderful. And begun going around Spencer County and Santa Claus, Indiana, Buying the land that Harris had leased. Come on. With a plan to make his own Santa Claus park. Everything about this is wonderful. (laughs) And then started building shit on the land to deny Harris the opportunity to build shit, trying to annul his lease to render them uh, invalid. Oh my God! Now Barrett is a—he uh, was an interesting character. He, okay, Barrett, uh, his Santa Claus statue. He he advertised it as being uh, being made of solid Mount Airy granite. Mount Airy granite. I'm assuming Mount- that's a local thing. It, it's a very nice granite. Okay. Very nice granite, right? He said, "Oh no, this is made of granite. It's made of granite. It's made." And then people started knowing, uh, noticing that like there were there were cracks forming in the statue. Okay. And that's when people went, "Oh wait, that's not granite. That's concrete." So he just lied. Yeah, he just lied. Not okay, got it. His lies didn't stop there. Like when he was opening Santa Claus down, like when he was unveiling the statue. He was advertising like President Franklin Roosevelt is going to push a button in the White House that will unveil the statue by remote control. And the governors of Kentucky and Indiana are coming to the dedication ceremony. 
I'm going to say the same thing to you that I said to the person who looked me dead in the eye and said, you know, I can change my eye color at will. And that is when you lie and I can immediately disprove your lie. Maybe you shouldn't lie. So this whole thing, like, like Harris did not take this well. <laughs> the two Harris, Harris and Barrett, Santa Claus Inc. v. Santa Claus of Santa Claus Inc. engaged in multi-year lawsuits against each other over this. One of which Can we call this the Ho Ho Holiday Hostile Takeover. Yeah, the, Operation is key. The Ho Ho Hostile Takeover. Um, one of these lawsuits actually went all the way up to the Indiana Supreme Court. The citation is Santa Claus Inc. v. Santa Claus of Santa Claus Inc. Uh, Supreme Court of Indiana, 27 NE 2D 354, 1940. Now, I need to know just because of uh, how this show usually works. Is this a a case that is taught in law schools or is this just something you found out about? This is something I found out about. I had never found out. How the hell do you find out about Santa Claus versus Santa Claus? And how is the world not already aware? And I'll be honest, this should be taught in law school because it's got everything. <laughs> it's got landlord tenant law. It's got quiet title actions. It's got measures of damages. Like this should be a case taught in law school. Oh my god. Just so you know, the final day of this show, I think our final episode when we decide we're retiring, I need you to get me a copy of the bar exam and I'm going to take it live on stream and we're going to see just how much I've learned and how much I have screwed up for the years that we do this for because this is ridiculous and I love your job. Dude, I had a job where I could push a button and accidentally ruin an economy for a microsecond. It happened once. And yet, you sitting here telling me that, yeah, so this one time Santa built a Santa statue out of granite that was actually concrete, so Santa got really angry, because Santa had a park down the hill, but this hill Santa was not doing too well, so Santa versus Santa. All right, Switzerland's fine in your case, but I'm more entertained. So so the whole lawsuit is, is hinging really on one part of uh, Santa Claus Inc., who I'm, I'm just calling it Harris from now on. Santa Claus Inc.'s uh, Harris's lawsuit against Santa Claus of Santa Claus Inc., which we're just going to call Statue Santa, okay? <laughs> got it. Oh, you know what? The the name of uh, Harris's big thing was the Candy Cat. So it's Candy, Cat, uh, Candy Santa versus Concrete Santa. Candy versus concrete. Candy versus concrete. way, it's ruining my teeth. Got it. Candy Santa's lease with the original uh, landowners, the 25-year lease said that he would have the exclusive right during the term of the lease to conduct on said real estate any and all business having any relation to the Santa Claus idea, such as manufacturing and selling of toys and each and every Mm -hmm. article, item, or thing having any relation to, connection with, or spirit of Santa Claus in the latter's traditional and commercial relation to Christmas time. 
Is that a no? Like that seems like a really general clause. It's no an amazingly general clause. It was okay. No, that, that's no. So they just allowed that, or was it more like yeah, whatever? No, that because like okay, it, a lease is not a right to own the property, but it is a right to the possession of it, the right to the possession and use of the property. All right, all right. somebody else owns it. All right, that person is called the fee owner. Right. The fee okay. owner is the person who actually owns the land. The lessee is the person who is leasing rights to the land. All right. All right. So if I say I'm going to lease you my property and you can use it, but your use is limited to these things here, and I am agreeing I won't let anyone else do those things there on the piece of property I'm leasing you, I've just given you an exclusive right to use it for that. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Right, like, I, I'm not giving away more than I own. Because if yeah. I didn't lease that right to you, I would be the only person with any right to do any of those things on the property. That all makes sense, like, yeah. And that's important to, to recall here, because on this, it's not saying nobody in the town can do any of these things. Like, the property owners aren't saying, we're going to go out and make sure no one does anything like this on their property. They're just saying... On our property, we're giving you the exclusive right to do that. Okay, all right. And, and this the, the previous owner allowed for this very general clause. That's right. how this clause got in. And then come here comes Concrete Santa and uh, buys the fucking land. But he still has to deal with that same lease that was already... Exactly. He he takes okay, the lease. I'm, I'm, I'm on the same page as you, just probably not in the same book. We're we're doing this, man. Right, and then he starts building these things on the land and running his own Santa business. Sounds like that's going against the lease, right? So Candy Santa brings a lawsuit, and Candy Santa's lawsuit is number one. They've taken the premises away from me. They, they, they have taken away my use of the property. All right. right. So, so I should be given possession of the property because I, I have a right to use it under the lease. Number two, they're running these businesses that their predecessor in interest, the predecessor in interest is the person who has the interest before me that I take it subject to. Right. agreed not to allow other people to do or to do on that property. I have the exclusive right, so I'm asking for an injunction. And an okay. injunction is just a court order saying, hey, stop that. Right, now that one right. I get. Okay. Then they say, uh, by the way, because we lost possession, uh, we have damages of $5,000 that you need to pay us. This is like $5,000 in 1930s, 1940 money. Like it, it, That's not a small amount. All right. Then they say we it might be a small amount to somebody who's building concrete, fake granite statues all over the place. But yeah, not a not a small amount. Right. right. Then they say we also want you to quiet title. What do you think quiet title means? I'm gonna guess that uh, uh, to, what sign over the property to them in its entirety, just. Uh, so, so I mean, that, that really is what a quiet title is. A quiet title is an action to determine ownership of a property. Okay, so he's actually saying this guy, hey, you guys screwed up so big, I want to own the property now? Well, that's You broke the lease that I should... You broke the lease to such a degree that I should own all the property that you now own that I have a lease to. Is that well, what you're saying? Well, that's actually the fucked up part, because that's not what they said at all. <laughs> what 
that's like, pretty fucked up. Like, I mean, you would think. Uh, that, like, no, I've got to give you props right there because for not being an attorney and just learning the words quiet title, <laughs> you you actually nailed what most people would think it think they would use it for. That's not what these what these people used it for was saying, oh, we, we want a quiet title because our interest in the property has uh has been stopped so you need a quiet title to say we have a lease to the property that that our lease sits in a title aspect which isn't what it's used for as i mean, it's not what it's used for whatsoever like it's, it's, it's yeah. an action to quiet title is all about ownership of the property not possession or use of the property so I'll, I'll be honest with you. I put that together because I've, I've you know, where I used to work, uh, quietly changing firms was a, was a thing people just did. Uh, we would quiet mergers is when you split your account to multiple brokerage firms. They're all doing the same thing. So if one firm, uh, something happens, you can just uh, uh, trade over in a different account and then transfer. Basically, yeah. But why are you using the word quiet? Like legally, why is that word in the title, quiet title? So, and by the way, I just, I got to the next paragraph. No, I was right the first time. Uh, Candy Santa is Santa Claus, Inc., and Concrete Santa is Santa of Santa Claus, Inc. I think I actually, or no, uh, Concrete Santa is Santa Claus, Inc., and Candy Santa is Santa of Santa Claus, Inc. Right. Oh, my God. This, I, I love complicated cases that become complicated simply because, yeah, you got the same name. Have fun. But, but, but you know what? That, uh, using candy and concrete Santa really does help, right? Because what, what we've got now is candy Santa sued concrete Santa. This is the best. Right. So concrete Santa comes back and says, uh, no. They, they file in their response, in their answer to the complaint, they file what's called a general denial. They just... <laughs> nah. Yeah, no, that's... that's exactly, like, that, there's rules of how you plead cases in law, right? It's, it's too much to get into with you because it'll make your head explode. But there's notice pleading, there's fact pleading, there's fact notice pleading. Um... And when, oh my God. But but however you do it, the basic rule is when somebody, like in those little numbered paragraphs of the complaint, makes an allegation, you have to come in and do what we call a specific denial a lot of times. Now, this was before the rules of civil procedure, so you could just come back and be like, no. Every, you, you, could, you could do the My Cousin Vinny. You'd be like, everything that guy said is bullshit. I love that movie. I love that that actually exists. But that leads to my next question. Everything that you said with that ridiculous uh, uh, lease sounds like Candy Santa's got this one in the bag. I'm not sure what Stone Santa's got unless his... I was waiting for you to say, oh, that lease is too general. That's why this doesn't count. Here, here, but just to say, nah, that's ballsy. Here, here's here's what Stone Santa says, because Stone Santa comes back and says, no. And then say, <laughs> yeah, like, like, you screwed us. No, I didn't. <laughs> You're right. No. <laughs> So Man, I'm losing a little bit of respect for the court here. I didn't know there was going to be two. Uh-uh, uh-huh, uh-uh, uh-huh. Stenography, can you read that back? <clears throat> nuh uh uh-huh. It gets better. <laughs> oh. Concrete Santa came back and filed something called an affirmative paragraph of answer. We call them now affirmative defenses. 
Affirmative defenses. Right. And the rule of law, the burden's always on the plaintiff, the person making the allegations, right? Okay. Except in an affirmative defense, because what an affir- what do you think an affirmative defense is? Uh, all right, so affirmative means affirmative defense. I got to go with we've heard your allegations and we are going to take the burden of proof to disprove on ourselves? Is that basically saying that they're taking the liability? No, 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 not really. You were almost there. All right, so if, if, uh, if a complaint is the, you did this, and the general denial answer is, uh-uh, staying in this theme, what Concrete Santa said was, yeah, and... Oh, oh, they're saying that basically they're saying it's a, a slap suit, that it doesn't yeah. even matter. Yeah, it doesn't. Affirmative defense is saying, even if I did it, it doesn't matter because you still don't get to win. That just sounds like children. This is amazing. I didn't know you could do this. What do you think their reason? Now, in that case, the, the defendant, the person asserting the affirmative defense, they've got the burden of proving the affirmative defense. All right. What do you what do you think the grounds for concrete Santa's affirmative defensive and was? Okay, so with everything you've told me, I'm gonna say that there's a small gap in that insane, insane thing. Uh, the, the, the the oh my god, the contract. There must be a gap. It's like no, I'm not selling anything. I just built a statue. That, that who cares that it doesn't create money so it's not against the contract it doesn't generate funds but he built the statue and then started building buildings to make his santa claus town amusement park remember that sounds like it goes again uh, what that he didn't that the lease was not made with him so it, no he has to follow it you already said that you actually got me man i can't think of a scenario where where candy santa doesn't immediately win the suit this is why this motherfucker should be in law school textbooks because we just jumped from real estate to corporate entities. Holy shit. Concrete Santa alleged that Santa Claus Inc. was formed prior to Santa of Santa Claus Inc. Santa Claus of Santa Claus Inc. Concrete Santa said, because a corporation is its own separate person. Correct. It is yes. legally... The legal fiction is a corporation is a separate entity from the owners, right? Now, that's one I'm very aware of, So yes. when you form a business, you have to make sure nobody's got that name. And if you're too close to that name where it would cause confusion or something like that, the Secretary of State who does business formations is really supposed to be like, no, that's, that's way too close to another business that already exists. We're not going to let you do that. You know, that happened to me, right? I did not know that happened to you. First Squared. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I uh, I was one of the founders and creators of First Squared, uh, the original legal name of First Squared Incorporated. We wanted to keep it simple. Was F two. We were going to just make the 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 business entity F two. F two is the name of a financial firm that I was not aware of that sent me a cease and desist after I had. Got the name, and, and everything worked out with the state. Uh, and then magically, I, I did change it because you know, I'm not going to deal with that 
Uh, two months later, they went out of business. I was so annoyed. I was so annoyed, dude. But yeah, no, F, F2, the financial firm, uh, cease and desisted me when I created F2 uh, Entertainment, which was the, the convention operations. I love the fact, for, for those listening later who aren't familiar, First Squared is a furry convention. That's me. So, so what Alkali just said is, I tried to incorporate a furry convention, and then the financial market crushed us. And then that particular financial market went out of business, and I smiled a lot. So, Concrete Santa said, before they formed their company, before Candy Santa formed Santa Claus of Santa Claus, Inc., we had formed Santa Claus, Inc. in Indiana as a business. And the Secretary of State did not therefore have authority to enter to give them a corporate charter. Therefore, the company was invalid from the start and could not enter into the lease agreements. And he's swinging for the fences. (laughs) No, you can't even exist. What? (laughs) Nah. Yeah. Nah. Now, uh, let's assume, assume all of that is true. Do you think that that wins the day? I mean, that, that's that's pretty solid if it's corporate entity versus corporate entity. But does that make the the contract that was signed in good faith with the previous landholder? Holy crap! It's even easier than that. Because I've got to tell you right off the bat, they didn't win on that argument. You know why they didn't win on that argument? Once again, this should be a fucking casebook case. It sounds like it. They didn't sue the Secretary of State in part of their response. They didn't implead, which is the legal term for bring someone into the action, the Secretary of State of Indiana to August G. Mueller, who was supposed to be a necessary party, meaning you can't actually hear the claim without that party being present because they are so integral to the lawsuit. When they brought that, they didn't try to implead him. So, Candy Santa said, uh-uh, you didn't bring in the right... Like, you're not even talking to the right person. Yeah, Bobby's got to be here before you can do that because Bobby has, has something to say about it, too, and you didn't call Bobby, so that should be dismissed, and the court agreed. Stone Santa's lawyers screwed up by not adding exactly. Him to the suit. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Oh my God! Never pick an elf to be your lawyer, Santa. Santa, you know better. Oh my God! This is amazing. So they go in. They're having all these hearings, right? And okay. and they submit it to uh, to the court for a trial without jury, right? Trial by combat? Awesome. No, no, just just the judge hearing it. Just Okay. Just the judge hearing it. Now that's a state by state thing you've told me, right? Some states you can no, no, just do that. A lot of times you can ask for a jury trial. But oh, and a lot of, you can just ask for a judge, that's just a kind yeah, of thing. But as but like in Pennsylvania where I am, all right. Uh, you can ask for a jury trial, but if you don't ask for a jury trial, you default to the judge hearing the case. It's not a moderation. This is this is well. I mean, moderation has legally binding things too, but this is more than moderation. Then 
Right. Right. It's it's a full trial. It's just there's no jury. It's full the, trial. Okay. It's yeah, a full trial with no the, jury. The judge is just The judge God. decides everything, law and fact. Fact. Okay. All right. All right. Wow. I didn't know that you and but but both sides need to agree for that. Well, no, happen. not not even both sides. Just one side needs to say, "Hey, I want a jury trial." Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, but typically you need to do it like in Pennsylvania, you have to ask for the jury trial before what we call the close of pleadings, which are like the initial things in lawsuit answer, uh, our complaint answer, you know, new matter to the answer that response to new matter somewhere in there. You gotta say, Oh, by the way, I want a jury. You got to make what's called a jury demand. All right. So this was submitted without a jury demand, but at some point concrete Santa in court, said, I want a jury. Too late? Yeah, too late. Okay, too late. Too late. However, the, the Indiana Supreme Court was kind of like, well, you know, like maybe you would you would want a jury, right? Like like we go accepting that we'll we'll accept right now for the purposes of the appeal that you asked for a jury and you didn't get one. Well, they accepted it. Yeah, like they and then what do you what do you think they said? That, that what that they'd have to start the trial over? No, the Supreme Court of Indiana said, but it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> because because you because you never had a right to a jury because you didn't specify what counts, okay. what claims so he you wanted to. Late. They accepted that he wanted a jury, but too late, he can't have one. Okay. There, there are two types of claims at law. There's a claim at law, right? Like that. That's a contract action. All right, that's a tort. And then there's a okay. claim in equity. And a claim in equity is asking the court to determine something based on their equitable powers, based on the idea of fairness in the law. All right. So some counts, like like an equity matter, you can't ask a jury to hear an equity case. Juries generally don't hear equity cases. They hear law cases. All right? Okay. So some things, like, oh, I don't know, an action to quiet title and an action for possession of property are equitable matters, not entitled to a jury verdict. So Concrete Santa's lawyer in court is like, I want a jury. And the Indiana Supreme Court looks at this and says, well, that was a really general request. And some of these counts aren't entitled to a jury. So we're going to say that this request was made as to the whole complaint, not just the parts triable by jury. And we're going to say you don't get a jury because there's equity matters a jury can't hear in this. And this is the Indiana Supreme Court. Right. Now, just because I, I have a picture in my head of the Supreme Court... But does that mean this was multiple judges listening, yep. or is this still yeah. one judge? No, it's it's always every Supreme Court is is multiple judges. I'm gonna have to go with I, I completely agree with them. He's too late. He's getting a fair trial. Multiple judges, screw you. So they come in, and fir- first things first. I, I will I will remove the suspense. Concrete okay. Santa does own the land. They bought the land free and clear. All right. Okay. Candy Santa does have the right to use the land as specified in the lease. That's that's a big specific. Okay. All right. But Candy Santa still lost on the action to quiet title. Okay. Okay. So he, he, but his quiet title was so weird because he was just trying to get ownership of the lease. Exactly. 
Exactly. And that's what the Indiana Supreme Court said. Uh, nobody's disputing Concrete Santa actually owns the land. So a quiet title action's not what you want to do here. Yeah. Okay. That makes Okay. Oh, right. my God. Then they come in. And they go in to why everyone is using the land. It's all about the, it is literally, you know, there was a finding and judgment upon the first paragraph of the complaint and joining the appellants from conducting any business having relation to the Santa Claus idea, including the manufacturing or selling of toys, Christmas cards or Christmas advertising from erecting, maintaining or permitting any building or structures for such purposes or which advertise the business of the defendants, that's concrete Santa, pertaining to Santa Claus. Under the lease granted, uh, the Rinkies granted the exclusive right to use the land for such purposes to Candy Candy Santa. So what do they do with the, the fake granite statue? Well, that, that apparently wasn't on their land that they were doing. Like, this is, this is, they were building shops and shit and keeping Candy Santa from coming onto the land and using it. All right? Oh, my God. So the court basically says... Uh, first, Concrete Santa comes in and says, well, the lease is really ambiguous. <laughs> we, <laughs> and, and, you're not, and they're not actually using the land, so we should be allowed to use it. Yeah, they, they're just reserving rights to use it, but they're not actually using it. Ooh, ooh, okay. okay. But, but the lease says... Right. That they get that right. And that, okay, that is exactly what the Indiana Supreme Court came back and said. No, we're we're not going. We're not we're not letting you do that. Just the you know, use it or lose it is not how this works. A company can lease land for a future purpose, uh, and, yeah. and things like that. Now, the real theory that they're raising there is a lot more like: Is it okay for somebody to lease land for 25, 30, 40, 50 years? For the sole purpose of keeping other people from using it. Now we're talking. Okay, that's uh, that that is a weirder one. Because I mean, there are certain like Disney is. No matter how you feel about Disney, the company that is a marvel. They have created their own city that would not have worked without them being able to do that. But you're saying that this is a small company that never even would have the ability to expand onto those lands and that's what this trial is now about is that what you're am i on the but same page no, i mean like you're on the same page because that's what that's what it should be about that that's absolutely what it should be about however the eda supreme court is like no <laughs> we, we don't see a problem with that <laughs> like, oh my god like we understand that you're getting at that argument but no we're right we're not you know we, we think it's fine for a company to lease the exclusive rights to use a portion of land to stamp out their competition because the real controversy this is the exact quote the real controversy between the parties seems to be involved in the efforts of each to capitalize the name of the village there is no issue here under which their right to use the name santa claus is presented in the record before us, it is as though Corporation A leased ground for the purpose of manufacturing toys and Christmas merchandise, and Corporation B, which was engaged in the same business, had purchased the fee to the land. My God. I told you money makes money. This is that, That's where this case belongs. This isn't a lawyer's case. This is an economics case. So, <laughs> so right off the bat, Candy Santa wins to the possession and injunction. Just right off the bat, based off of that language. 
Okay. Yeah, you're, right. you're Candy, about, Santa's, Candy Santa's winning. You're, you're about it. Now, Candy Santa had also gotten a judgment for the $5,000 in damages, right? Oh, I forgot about the 5K. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what was that based on? All right. It was based, was, it was based ahead, on lost profits. Right. Okay. Right. Wait. But they, they, at some point, did I miss it? Did you say, you said they were setting up shops, but well, you said setting up. Right. What profits did they lose? Well, they like court cases, court cases take time. I mean, oh, okay. Uh, by the time this is through the court, I'll have lost five right. grand, and, and that's <laughs> and that's actually the basis of it. This is why, once again, this should be a case book case. All right, if I'm running a business, okay, and right. and I have a contract with you that you won't go in the same business, right? And okay. you open up, and I immediately sue you. Like my business hadn't been running very long. Your business hasn't been running very long, but I immediately sue you. And I say, you know, it's $100,000 in damages from lost profits. And they go, well, what are you basing that on? I go, well, I got a guy who says I'd make $100,000 if you weren't in business. Ted, Ted from down the street had a number. Is is that a good basis for damages? No, no. Math should be involved. Math makes the world go round. Because that's what it was here. A manager of the uh, of Candy Santa oh came in and said, in my opinion, the profits we would have made from that building, which we wanted to put on the land, no evidence they really wanted to put one there, uh, would have been $5,000, and now we can't make it. Now, now we can't Did make you say that money. That actually worked. Well, no, it didn't. It didn't. Oh, oh like it, it worked at the trial court, but the appellate court, the Supreme Court of Indiana, looked at it and said, "No, you yeah. don't just get to fucking guess. You can't just say I think I would have made this much money. You got to back it up with evidence, which is leads to a legal maximum. Maximum." Lost profit, future lost profit, unless supported by significant evidence that shows, you know, you're you're reasonably certain to have made this, is too speculative to form the basis of damages. Now, this is going pretty deep, but in a very quick answer, like uh, a scatter graph showing a trend line, yeah, would like, that be enough? Like, or- you know, if, you, if I had been in business like five years before you yeah. broke our non-compete or something, right? And then you go in business, and like in the six months after you go into business, my profits have a steady decline or something like that, where there's a noticeable dip that I can prove and relate it back to you. That's probably not too speculative, but you got to have something. It's got to be more than I think I'd make five grand. Okay, no, so you can use a prediction trend line. Right. Okay, that makes sense. That, but, that, that all, I'm so glad that this is working the way reality works. But, but that's it's so rare that your law works the way reality <laughs> is. Some, reality, boozy, every once in a while. Reality. But, but that leads in to, uh, to the legal maxim that you have to have something to to form the fixing of the damages to show that those are real damages that you can reasonably expect to incur not just you know well i'll lose money and i'm putting a number on the money and now i'm going to come up with an opinion to support like you got to like fucking show past sales and shit like that and the differences and link them in to be able to make that yay (laughs) 
Uh, they they were then given Candy Santa was given the possession of the land, so so they can they can do their shit. They get to use the land now, right? And uh, right. and a hundred dollars for unlawful detention. Unlawful detention is I took your shit without any reason to, and now I should have to pay you something for the value of the time I kept it away from you. Which was a hundred bucks. Love it. <laughs> Is uh, that just a blanket? Yeah, here's a, here's a hundo. That it, it's what we call nominal damages. Okay, like like just like it's, you got to do something. Here here's something, uh, and because like there was no evidence. This is this is the best part. There was no evidence about the value of the land itself for the unlawful detention portion. <laughs> There's so many blank spots in the equation that you are forming. So, there are so many blank spots. So, so, so the court's like, Candy Santa, here's $100. Go buy yourself something nice. Also, you can use the land. Dude, what you just <laughs> described to me is the equation of the alphabet equals X solve for X. What is going on? This is not how things should work. It, it's Because this is an exact quote from the portion of the Indiana Supreme Court uh, opinion regarding how much money should we give them for concrete Santa just saying, you can't come on the land you leased. Oh my God, yes. There is no proper evidence of damages, but the plaintiff is entitled to nominal damages and the $100 damages allowed must be considered nominal under the circumstances. Literally, literally we're just getting, here's $100. You couldn't be bothered to fucking put in any evidence as to what you lost. So here's 100 bucks, and now you can go build like the candy cane coaster on the land <laughs> the, the, oh my god I told you the court did order did order concrete Santa hey stop that stop stop stealing their Christmas profit stop taking the joy away from this like ho ho hold the fuck up um So, but uh, but I told you about that part. But here's somebody who has not been named yet. They were named as a defendant in the lawsuit. They worked for Concrete Santa. Okay. A Mr. Okay. a Mr. Edward Overton, who was a director and officer of Concrete Santa's corporations. That would be Santa Claus Inc. Okay. Okay. Uh, he, he's like the head fucking elf. I'm guessing. I'm like you. You you ever you ever seen uh the Santa Claus? Absolutely. Yeah, you, you know that one head elf. Oh yeah, it's, uh, it's just that dude. It's that dude. <laughs> just fucking little green jingly hat and everything walking. Yeah, what's up? The elf in charge. I'm Edward Overton. I wanted <laughs> I wanted to be a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> I represent the Concrete Granite Guild, the Concrete Granite Guild, the Concrete Granite Guild. I, I represent this fucker named Barrett, this fucker named Barrett, <laughs> this fucker named Barrett. I represent this fucker named Barrett, and he's late with my paycheck. Uh, <laughs> it may be a sin. Here's a Benjamin Franklin. The <laughs> Fuck me, dude. This is great. All right, so what did he do? So he he was part of all of this. Like like he was 
in his position as Santa's fucking head elf. Um, he was like coordinating shit for Barrett. Okay. Right. And uh, they came in and they say, oh, uh, he should be held personally liable, which as you know, you're bizarre. You can't be held personally liable for the actions of the corporation, right? Correct. Yes. Right. right. Yeah, unless you're like personally fucking doing that. Like unless you're different that's that's it's a different type of lawsuit. <laughs> once, once again, motherfucker, this should be a casebook case, and I'm amazed I've never heard of it until like a week ago when I was researching for this show. This is a pretty cool one, yeah. Because the Indiana Supreme Court came in and said, you know what? Generally he's right. G- generally he can't be a defendant. But um yeah, no, we, we think the evidence shows that he was, like, cooperating with them, with, with the corporation itself, like, personally cooperating with the corporation to direct all of this. So uh, we're going to let him him pay some of this shit, too. What do you owe, 50 bucks? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know, like, one half of $100? <laughs> he, had to, he had to shake their hand as they walked on the land. I don't know. You, oh get, my God. you get four minutes with the strangely muscular Rudolph suitor. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the normal payout. At the end of the day, uh, how did this turn out? Uh, first, that the Indiana Supreme Court said since the injury to Candy Santa's rights uh, could not be measured in damages. An injunction was the proper remedy for it, uh, which is the truth. When like you can't measure something in damages, like a harm that's being done in damages, the proper remedy really is like, hey, stop. Uh, it's the you know, here's a court order telling you to stop fucking doing that and let them do this. Uh, Makes sense. The judgment was reversed back to the trial court. Uh, with instructions to modify the judgment by striking out any reference to the quiet title and the $5,000 damages, and in all of the respects was made a final judgment of the Indiana Supreme Court in favor of Candy Santa. Holy crap. And and you know... That's wild. It it would not... it, It just would not be a stream... If I didn't take this chance to show you a, a couple of images here, all right? Absolutely. So uh, I am on your screen. Hit it. Yeah. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me bring up the the thing here. There we go. All right. So what you're about to see right now, as I focus in on it, that is the Candy Castle. That that is Candy Santa's building. That looks very gingerbready, right? And I, but you don't give a shit about that because that that just looks like right. What you want to see is this: you want to see the giant fucking Santa Claus on the hillside, the concrete oh, Santa. Oh my god, concrete Santa! <laughs> just a twenty, You're so majestic. <laughs> just a twenty-five foot tall Santa Claus surrounded by a wrought iron fence. I've. Never seen a better middle finger. <laughs> so how, how does this lawsuit end up working for everybody? Well, end of the day, these two never made peace. They fought each other to a fucking standstill until uh, World War II actually Ooh. sucked up most of Barrett's funding and resources, uh, and, and he, he went out of business. All right. 
he goes out of business because at that same time, the Koch family, which are uh, the Koch family, uh, which built Santa Claus or Holiday World, had started buying up land and building their fucking theme park, which put both these motherfuckers uh, like out of that. So, so they fought themselves to the point where where neither one of them were going to make any money off of it. Right? Oh my god! Uh, oh, Barrett dies. Right, and, and Harris eventually dies. You know how Harris died? If there, please say, got thrown into a red velvet sack over a bridge. What? What is? Harris died. Running accident. Running accident. Running out. Harris died in, in the perfect way that shows the best Christmas spirit. He What's came that? running out of the candy castle to yell at someone in the parking lot, had a massive heart attack, and dropped dead. Oh my god. The candy castle is still in operation. It was purchased by a Christmas aficionado. It was restored, and it is still in operation in Santa Claus, Indiana. And that... That is the most insane casebook case that does not appear in any casebook in the best holiday tiding. The case of Santa Claus, Inc. versus Santa Claus of Santa Claus, Inc. from the Indiana Supreme Court, 1940. I am horrified of everything that you do. (laughs) And that will wrap up Episode 24 of Boozy's Legal Funhouse, which is, as I said, not only our holiday episode, but the season finale for season one. Season two will come back in January. Uh, We will be recording that after the holidays and get it out there in the same thing. I do, once again, want to thank everybody who hung in there for all of season one. It went on much longer than I expected it to because of shit going on. But we're here now, and this new format's working out great. I I got to tell you, Alkali, I have gotten so many people saying, I really love the new format. And if you love the new format, go to your podcast service of choice, give us five stars, say something nice, or say something, I don't care what you fucking say, just say something. (laughs) All right? If you want to financially support the show, you can do that over at patreon.com slash liquor. You can also financially support my wonderful co-host, Alkali, at their Patreon. That is... I'm switching my screen right now. Uh, we are over at patreon.com backslash Dragget Show, the original name of our podcast. That's D R A G G E T Show. Dragget is Dragon and Ferret together. It's a show that me and my mate do. Thank you so much for the support, dude. And seriously, from the bottom of my heart, uh, you asked me to do this a while ago, and I thought it sounded like a lot of fun. I am having the time of my life recording these. This is such fun information. It's such a weird, wild world, and it's it's everything I enjoy. Thanks for including it, me, man. It is how I knew it was a good idea. I pitched it to you, and then two weeks later, you and I are standing at a bar with a drink, and you pitched it right back at me. And I said, yes, that sounds like a wonderful idea. I especially liked when I proposed it to you two weeks ago. That's what you get for talking to a burnout. (laughs) 
With that said, everybody, thank you for listening to this episode. We will be back after the holiday break. I hope you have a wonderful holiday with the people that are dear to you. And until then, I am the Boozy Badger, Boozy Barrister. This has been Boozy's Legal Funhouse. Thank you for listening, and you have a wonderful rest of your day. Happy holidays, everyone. <laughs>